Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to the Neil Before Pod interview segment. I'm your host, Craig, and I recently had the pleasure of talking to Richard Gray, Angus McFadgen, Zach McGowan, and Anna Hutchison, the director and cast of Robert the Bruce. Bear in mind that this was recorded in a busy hotel lobby, so there's some background noise that you'll need to persevere with. I'm delighted to be joined in Edinburgh by the cast and director of Robert the Bruce. Thanks very much for joining me for um, a quick interview. It's much appreciated. Uh, how are you finding Edinburgh? We love it. Yeah, you guys were such wonderful hosts when we shot some of the film here last year. And yeah. it's, it's, someone said that there was no summer in Scotland, but that's not true. It's beautiful. It's been well, stunning. Sometimes it's. It's gorgeous. <laughs> you, get, you get a couple of hours every few days where, you know, it's kind of sunny and then it rains ten minutes later. And it's really, yeah. It's my first time here and so far it's been beautiful. It's gorgeous yeah. and beautiful. I mean, just unbelievable. It's great. I love the cast. Yeah. And the people were so positive as well. It's yeah, it's fantastic. Everywhere we go, we've been met with a positive reception about the film, and yeah. yeah was your was your taxi driver as, as excited as mine was? Yes. What is it? All the taxi drivers are so excited about this film. They're like, you're going to see Robert the Bruce. That's, That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Yeah, there's a lot of buzz about it. So, can you talk to me a bit through kind of what shooting it was like? I mean, obviously, filming in location probably has issues, uh, so is there any kind of bad weather stories, or any good weather stories? <laughs> there was only one one, one uh, thing you could put it on one doubt, it was bad weather. <laughs> Except in Scotland, it was amazing, because actually Montana was just one giant nightmare. Our first day, we showed up, we started driving the set, and, uh, and, and the road literally disappeared on the way to set. Oh, it went into a blizzard, yeah. and, a, and a whiteout, and the road disappeared under the snow, so, so that was our first day. Uh, and, and it sort of went from there the whole way and then we finally got to Scotland going okay well get ready for some really bad weather and luckily the beast from the east kind of stayed away from us we were above it a little bit yeah, we in Glencoe and Isle of Skye we were yeah. a little bit above it plus the fantastic thing was it weeded out the week and so this project was definitely a passion project <laughs> and it just bonded <laughs> everyone together like it tore everyone apart but through that it, it made you even stronger and I think that that made, needed to come through on screen and it mm-hmm. does like yeah. it's not often um, you can simulate that that cold breath um, they can do whatever type of chemicals they want and whatever big budget films but you just can't get it you can't get the shade of blue in your lips through yeah. loss of circulation yeah. so <laughs> but apart from that yeah <laughs> and it makes rooms to go to <laughs> with actual eating well, yeah, but sometimes but you're like you're saying I mean sometimes those elements are the things that actually become very important in, in a movie and, and, and in just like doing it and it, it makes it uh, I don't know it's like that, I mean, that's why a film shot on location is always different than a film shot in the studio. I mean, mm-hmm. it just, it's just the nature of it. 100% of this film was shot on location. And even when we're interior, we're exterior. Because mm-hmm. these were real buildings with no windows. Yeah, and so inside. sometimes it was colder. Most of the time it was, it was colder, colder to be inside, inside <laughs> than outside. And it was minus 10 outside. Mm-hmm. And we did have fires running. We could actually build real fires. Real fires, yeah. Real fires. Uh, uh, but, you know, uh, in, in those days, obviously there were problems with uh, circulation. Mm-hmm. So most of the smoke stayed at about head level. <laughs> which meant that you were breathing in about the equivalent of 40 to 60 cigarettes a day. So everybody got these hacking coughs, dry heaving, vomiting, and going wrong. We all lost our voices and our minds. But I think it really serves the performance. Like it, it, it does because it's so you can't fake that rawness. Like when you're kind of um, 
studying for a character and trying to get yourself into a role, you're thinking, now how am I going to fake this cold? How am I going to fake... There was no faking anything, and mm. everything was just... You had an edge to you, which works for every character. Every character is so desperate in one sense or the other and yeah. so those brutal elements really served the and it wasn't easy for Rob Bruce back then or the families living on the farm in the winter in the highlands and I think the film does a great <laughs> representation of that made true because those are the conditions we, we were in <laughs> Yeah, and I think you can see it in the people's eyes yeah. well, it, wasn't like, it wasn't like, I remember like when I read the script um, and I, I was trying to understand I was like, well, why can't Brandon just go out there if, he's, if he's, thinks he's there, why is he But then, like, if he showed up on set and, like, just, just to do, like, just to get, like, four horses a hundred meters was so difficult that I was like, oh, my God, if this was, like, a 20 or 30 mile track in this condition, it would be way We'll kill so, him in the spring. <laughs> just near, like, nearly impossible type stuff. And, and I think that those... Those kind of experiences while you're working make sense of the story in your head. Like you're like, it's actually, it would be very difficult in these kind of environments to uh, to basically do anything, you know. Uh, let alone just just kind of like let's let it rest and we'll go there a little bit later when it's warmer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm guessing working with the, the weapons was a lot of fun. I mean, you'll be used to that with the hundred. You did a lot of weapon work on there, so it was it was kind of different. Uh, I mean, for anyone who's kind of not done it before, maybe what was it? You're working on ice. So that was, that was very interesting. Like, um, normally you've got solid footing, and mm-hmm. uh, so that was knowing that there were weapons, but our weapons people were fantastic when we were. Like, stunt coordinator. Yeah, yeah. and the terrific um, clan had real weapons, so you got a totally different performance than when you're working with the rubber. When we weapons. have a stunt coordinator, the bomb Yeah, Diz, Diz Sharp, and he just was a huge fan and just wanted to do, you know our production and as um, Anna was saying Clan Reynolds uh, Duncarran right here just outside Sterling we were able to you know use their fort and use their reenactors and they're coming today to the premiere and they were huge and uh, as is all of our Scottish crew Mm. Um, yeah so I kind of noticed the theme of Scotland's future carrying through the film so the focus on the kids um, you know, them being told stories, their opinions being listened to, being trained. Was that kind of a conscious theme that, that you were trying to go for? I mean, it's quite topical at the moment with everything that's going on, uh, which I won't go into, but is it? Uh, it, 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 it I don't know if I could say it was conscious because uh, this script was the first variation of it was written in 2006, the second mm-hmm. was written in 2010, and uh, you know, it then took 12 years uh, to actually get the film. Made. So you know, the film had its themes, but it, it feels like I always feel like some big giant invisible hand put the whole thing on hold and said, "Hold, <laughs> hold," and sort of, and, and, and I was sort of in the pits of despair, going, "I'll never get that film made." But yeah. it actually has come out really at the right time, considering what's been going on. So it's sort of, it's sort of, sort of putting, it's putting in a sort of a cultural uh, comment upon this whole thing. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think it speaks to how good the script is. It, to me, seemed timeless, and it's wonderful that you picked up on the stories because, to me, that's what story. The that's one of the huge parts of this film. Yeah. It's the stories. When you're back in those days, we didn't have TVs and stuff, mm-hmm. so we were entertained by stories and by telling the legends of our forefathers and our, even our fathers. Um, but also, it's when you've got something, someone like an underdog, or you're meeting someone at the 
depths of despair, you want to see them rise. Yeah. So no matter what time, whenever it happens, that film's always going to be exciting to watch. But yeah, it is, I feel like lots of stuff is quite kismet and it just fits nicely. It has to have a story um, that's to the point of view of a widow and orphan children. And they didn't know what was happening um, in that church. Yeah. They were just here on the grapevine. And the king was hiding and on the run. And our film looks at Scots versus Scots as well, which was, which we also found very unique and original. But to see the story through a family's eyes and what their sacrifice is when their fathers go off to war and what they're left with was was what always made the story special. Well, I was I, I that, like when I remember when I read the script the first time, I was the. Like it was weird. I mean, you obviously you know anyone who dies in war obviously leaves someone behind or something. But just to really get like the visual, I mean, of, of going, oh my god, every person you saw die, say in Braveheart, probably left a family in, in in a situation like that. And to really kind of get that idea when you're like, wow, you're talking about thousands of people who die and thousands of families left alone on the farm. On, on the farm. Uh, it, it really, I mean, that just there's something real about that that I think is a, a little different than just watching a bunch of people die. You know, when you're like, wow. Because characters are exciting and they're fun to yeah. watch and stuff like that, but that's not what drew me to the script. It was the heart. It's good to get the, the cost of battle in there. Yeah. 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 And of course, this script started 14 years ago, yeah. and so this is a story that's that's timeless, and it's a completely different movie. Yeah, it felt like this was much more um, intimate. I don't know. I didn't know what the story of King was or the script. I had not read because it hadn't come. It hadn't come out yet. Yeah. No, but I we, we were just aware that we, we knew that it was that yeah. it was going to be coming out. Okay. And we thought that it was going to be a, a blockbuster type, which is not what we wanted. Yeah. We wanted a very intimate, story-based uh, mm-hmm. and character-driven. Yeah. Piece. We've got an anti film. It's not glorifying war in any way. No. It's showing that first scene, which is the story of the actual version of because it's a fairy tale. To tell to an eight-year-old. Yeah. Are we boy? We one. And did, did it start off as a kind of sequel or spin-off to Braveheart and kind of evolved from there? No, I mean, when you think about it, Braveheart was the term which they used for all the roots, not the one you wanted. Yeah. So while I really enjoyed doing Braveheart, you know, there was, it, was a, it was mixed with a certain kind of regret and disappointment because why hadn't we told the rest of the story? Yeah. And I was looking around Hollywood for years going, well, let's tell the rest of the story. And people were like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, the story of how he became king. Wow. And yet, you know, it's like, uh, it, it was just sort of, it kept hitting a, a dead end and it wouldn't go anywhere. So, yeah. But, uh, like, just... A continuation yeah. of, uh, of history, really. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. It picks up on history. No. And so then when you leave Braveheart, it just is purely historical that that is where our film picks yeah. up. But and it's in no way a sequel in no any sequel. sense. Yeah. No. It's just these historical characters and a look mm-hmm. at the inside of a family. I don't think you could get in some way any different from Braveheart no. some extent. Yeah. Except in the sense that I wanted it to that, that myself and the co-writer Eric Belgau we wanted to, to the, the template was we shouldn't even bother trying to write this mm-hmm. if we don't think we have achieved 
like reaching inside you and like taking your guts yeah. and pulling them out and making you kind of feel a little, a little shaky because that's what Braveheart did and it was like that's the that's what you're set up against mm-hmm. so people are going to be disappointed if they don't get that so I'm just hoping you know today's the first time we see it with an audience we have there have been test screenings and people have you know, been very emotional uh, 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 moved by it so hopefully the Scots are going to Take it to their hearts. Yeah, we saw what the first we saw the first review just now, just a second ago. Okay, which was a, we looked good. We I didn't, didn't read it all yet. So. <laughs> I'm written by yeah, I'll I can't read anything. I just want to see it in the cinema. <laughs> I, I just want to see what. Yeah, I want to yeah, see, what, but, see the I mean, I think it's really exciting. Like, I mean, when we were making this movie, the whole I mean, we would talk about hopefully it'll and you know hopefully Edinburgh and Grayson will come. It, and I think it's really exciting that you know, yeah. later on today we're all going to go and actually see it with a Scottish audience. Scottish audience. At the it was very important yeah. to us that the first place it screened was in Scotland. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. To be embraced by <laughs> we, like the the place that we have made a film is yeah. just unbelievable. It's we wonderful. love this country. Yeah. And, you know, we we're from, from all country. different places. Yeah. We're all from here. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, my great grandfather, <laughs> your name's Miguel. Yeah, you Scottish heritage. Yeah, you know, and we're coming and we're back. Yeah, yeah. Well, so welcome back. Good <laughs> <laughs> be home. Yeah, yeah. So just sort of slightly off topic for us, uh, for a question. Uh, Anna, you played a Power Ranger, and yes. I was a huge Power Rangers fan back in the day. So oh, good man. I just wanted to hear you talk about kind of a, a bit about what that was like, what it was like stepping into that franchise, and and. Yeah, and Yellow Ranger. Yellow Ranger. Yellow it's Ranger. the best. It's the most incredible training for stunt work and uh, just being on set every single day and go, go, go because mm-hmm. you you can take that anywhere. So then even the stunts that we do in films like this um, and any ones, you can pull on what you've learned as a ranger. Mm-hmm. Plus it gives you the most wonderful fan base. So, yeah, it does. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> One of the more polite fan bases. Oh, the best. Yeah. <laughs> So this is respectful and very, um, like, if someone's watched Power Rangers, I've watched every single episode, and they can tell you every single word that you've said, and you're like, shivers, I can't even remember. Yeah. Uh, Zach, you've been on a couple of my favourite shows, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and The Hundred, so um, obviously they're very different to each other and different to this film, so, you know, what are your kind of best memories of that, really, about those shows? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I actually shot an episode of Agents of Shield in the middle of shooting this movie. Yeah. I literally. I mean, you'll see. There's a there's a weird there's a weird episode of Agents of Shield where Anton just has like a long beard. And <laughs> long, that's I literally was just in the middle of shooting this. I like went back to LA. What did you shot, tell them? And they were like, "You have to cut your hair." I was like, "I can't." I'm in the middle of shooting a movie. Yeah. I was like, in the middle of a final battle. Yeah. I would have like showed up with like no beard. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I mean that's you know that, that show. I mean, Agents of Shield is is a is a great show and a, and a fun show to work on. But that's like you know that's like a very tech and effects heavy show. Yeah. Um, and then the hundreds like a very I don't know, like quick fast paced TV. You know, and then like this is a little indie, and there's I mean, there, there's are like three completely different worlds. Like, yeah. you know, it's like on Agents of Shield. You know, yeah. there's so much going on with the vis effects and all all the different elements. Uh, it's sometimes like as an actor, it's like refreshing to work on indies because you're just doing like the the, the more kind of 
grounded element of the craft, uh, and you know, things are. I mean, it's actually it's weird to say, but like pretending to be a Scot in the 1300s is actually like a little like more grounded than pretending to be in a post-apocalyptic world or pretending <laughs> to be like a Russian robot that's killing superheroes. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like so. There's, those things are all different, yeah. and uh, and I don't know. I mean, memories. All memories. Uh, I, I mean, I love acting, so I just got memories about everything. Um, I think on Agency, my probably my favorite memory is straightening my own tie <laughs> and saying that I look fantastic to myself. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Seeing you do, always want to do that. I just got it up. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like doing a scene with myself. Yeah, yeah. It's very American Psycho. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I guess on the hundred, uh, I know my, my favorite element uh, of that. So I've been just friends with Bob for years. So like every time I just got to like fight with Bob a little bit, it was always fun. Like we just always like, be like, you know, like trying to one up each other and whatnot. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's um, that's my nerdy diversion. So back to the, this film, uh, the sort of symbolism of the spider. Yeah. You know, that's a famous story. It's about how yeah. Robert the Bruce was inspired to keep going by this you know, spider struggling to weave its web. You don't have to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling the listeners. The invisible force. Yeah. So she's in the outside of the cave set. <laughs> the interesting thing about it is it doesn't sort of directly inspire to keep going, that kind of comes later, so is there you know, is something you were trying to do to kind of change it a little bit and make it Well, yeah, because the, first it's the story which, the myth which you know, many of us had told to us by our fathers and kids and, uh, and but, you know, that aside I was just very intrigued by the concept of a guy who goes into a cave to die cave, something else happens, and the spider, of course, in modern psychology, is the symbol of schizophrenia. So, so I was like, well, he's, he's t- it's kind of weird that he gets he gets some all this hope from the spider, and it's talking the spider, and that's kind of weird, and that's kind of schizophrenic. So, so, so instead of dying in that cave, he started going mad. And if there's anything more frightening than, than death, it's probably madness have voices in your head so that's what drove him from the cave was he wasn't allowed to die mm-hmm. the force of destiny drove him from it and on towards you know, uh, the, the, the history that we all come to know now and uh, I promised I would ask about the accent so I kind of went into copying the accent obviously no one knew how anybody talked back then so what, what went in what was that process I have been working on my Scottish accent since I believe 1994 <laughs> watched Braveheart in the theater at midnight on his first showing while I was 14 years old with a bunch of friends drinking beer in the audience and I think since that day I have been working on it I'm very happy to have gotten you didn't a chance to use inspiration no just the whole the whole guy you've been hard on no <laughs> No, using all of them, and uh, I mean, yeah, was, and then, and then, I mean, I was lucky enough. We had you know, a, a load of Scots on set, so that I think was really helpful to to be able to run things by, including Shores Wallace, who basically, you know, I was always like, yeah, he, he's got the thickest Scottish accent I've ever heard. So, you know, it's it interesting to be able to kind of. Use that. And Anna, you took it. I took the whole thing very serious. Um, I had the kids in um, my hotel room and we'd watch documentaries or we'd watch mm-hmm. films at night in the Scottish accent. So 
that's what we'd do at the very, very start, and we'd all yeah. speak Scottish the whole entire time. So, um, and then I worked with a accent coach, and then my uncle's from Scotland, so I'd just call him up and ask him and yeah. speak to him. Um, yeah, but it's it's actually around a lot. Like yeah. I, my family's from Scotland, so yeah, I've heard it yeah. all my life, and yeah, this was actually a dream role. So, yeah. Speaking as a Scot, you all did a great job. So. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah. I knew I liked you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the final question, I kind of teased at the start. Uh, just each of you, what superpower would you have and why? So I'm starting to be honest. The, the superpower not to have to answer that question. No, no you have to. I don't fun. know, I can't think of one. There's so many cool things you could Probably do. Probably being invisible for oh. all kinds of very perverse reasons. <laughs> just so that I could sort of go around and listen to what people talk about when you're not there. I would be able to tell the future, maybe. At the moment, I'm just very interested to see what happens here and stuff like that. So, yeah. I would like the superpower yeah, to be able to do what she's doing. No, no. I don't, I don't have this power. That's inside. I don't know how this works. By the way, for your audience, Anna's pregnant. They might, yeah. not, know, yeah, they might yeah. not know what we're talking about. Like, Anna's, Anna's, like, yeah, but very, like, very pregnant. Soon, soon. Yeah. It shouldn't even be here. Yeah, today. I like, know, my God, we're going to keep coming. Like, oh my God, enough butterflies. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> no. Um, I would, I think there's a, an X-Men has this power, and you would be able to tell me probably, but um, who's the one that can that can heal people? And there's quite a few. That's what healing I would like. Oh, you want to heal people? That's a noble one. Family and friends that it was sick for. That's a noble one. That's cool. I was going to say for real, though, I, I, I mean, I think, you know, I always say that, I think Wolverine has the best superpower. The I, and, I mean, that you just kind of beat me out with that. Uh, healing others. Healing But just to be able to consistently heal oneself and get back up after all of the crap life. He's been fans tweet about it all the time. Yeah, I have yeah. been... You it's know, channeling whole, I mean, listen, <laughs> yeah. on Agents of Shield, the whole crew calls me Logan. Oh, you know, they, they, they call me. Yeah, yeah, you know. Big fat cigar. Not the, not the producer, the, the, yeah. the crew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's Marshall. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks very much. Thank so you. thanks very much for joining. Good luck with the film. Thanks. Thank yeah. you. That was my conversation with the director and cast of Robert the Bruce. I wish them all the best for the film, which is in cinemas now and will be out on video on demand in November. If you like what you heard, then please hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, please do leave us a comment and a star rating. If you want to discuss Robert the Bruce or anything else, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. Contacts for the film can be found in the show notes. As always, we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod.